0: Hello, and welcome to Plotris.
1: This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Some Winter's Evening by Erin Lysden.
0: This was just published in 2023 and can be enjoyed as a sequel to Forever Your Rogue.
1: (laughs) We do usually say what series it is, but apparently this series doesn't have a name. It's the book. (laughs) It's in the Forever Your Rogue universe, which we loved, which we loved. Um, full disclosure: We did receive a complimentary arc for this review.
0: And though this is not being published in December as part of our Christmas novella spectacular, I do want to be clear: this is a Christmas novella.
1: Mm-hmm. And and, and, I'm and I'm assuming Lane is going to give it a candy cane rating.
0: Yes. So what, usually I exclusively do that during the winter festivities. However, this book needs one.
1: It does need one. I agree with you.
0: (laughs) Meg, do you want to start with the book jacket?
1: I will. Two perfect strangers and the enchanted evening they can't put behind them. Overworked barrister Gavin Sinclair's only plans for Christmastide are to withdraw to his sister Cora's estate and lament that his long-awaited promotion comes at a price he isn't certain he can pay. But when a snow squall strands him at a country inn alongside a dimpled maiden, his night takes an unexpected turn. Captivated, Gavin tries to forget his obligations for a single evening of holiday cheer. Unfortunately, his responsibilities leave little room for such magic.
0: Amelia Davis is a governess with no family or home to call her own. And the tenuous nature of her employment has once again pushed her to the margins and out the door. Ever an optimist, Amelia is used to making the best of her disappointments. So, when a sweetly reserved stranger leaves her standing in the cold, she determines to forget him and focus on her new position working for the boisterous Travers family. That is, until the bespectacled man of her dreams unexpectedly arrives at her employer's dinner table.
1: As Christmas approaches, Gavin and Amelia find themselves spending the season under one chaotic roof. Between decking the halls and staving off the chill, they can no longer deny the ardor growing between them. But when their tender romance is threatened by the most divisive trial of Gavin's career, the looming pressures of the real world might be more than they can stand.
0: Gavin and Amelia never thought they would find each other once, let alone twice. And if they want to hold fast this time, they'll need to finally put their hearts before their heads. Yes, Lane, I see
1: you. you want to say something. What do you want to say?
0: Jack is fine. It's a little bulky for a novella. It, it's a little long, but that's fine. Which is fine. But um my major issue is potentially a criticism of myself. He upon learning her name is Amelia. Wonders if it's her real name because it's so exotic and Italian. Do you pronounce that differently than Amelia? Because to me, if you're only hearing it spoken out loud, there's nothing inherently exotic or Italian about it. It, it would mm-hmm. only be seeing it written.
1: Maybe she says it weird. Emilia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but she's not Italian. I want you to know that if... I, spoiler alert, you guys. This is a perfect book. I literally... I'm obsessed. It's one of my favorite Christmas novellas ever. I like this more than I like the full book that it's the <laughs> sequel to. My biggest problem, it broke my brain. I spent so much of this book being every time he's like her Italian name being like, other than it being spelled with an E instead of an A, but does that even change the pronunciation?
1: I thought way too hard about this. You did. I didn't even think about it. Amelia. I don't know. Maybe she says it just a little special. And you have to say with a British accent, too. I don't know. What do it sound it's... like with a British accent? I don't know. I, I'm not going to. Uh, look, the last time I did a Scottish accent, <laughs> it was <laughs> didn't work
0: out very well. So I'm going to pass. Well, and the way I most ho- often hear Amelia pronounced in a British accent is Peabody. So <laughs> that's a different issue. A little bit of a different issue. Alright, so as usual, we generated a random number, this time between 1 and 25, because this is a novella, and used that number to write our own summaries, because it is our word count. So Meg, I'm going to go first, because yours is so fucking inspired. (laughs) Go ahead, Lane. Uh, So mine is
1: Christmas Anonymity Kink. Fair. I love a hidden slash... Fake identity. I love Christmas, <laughs> and when you put them together, you get something that we just can't resist. Correct. There's what more is your
0: three-word summary?
1: It's sleigh ride me. There's a lot of
0: on the page, which I also appreciated.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, um, so like Lane said, this book is perfect. What are the tropes in this perfect book? I mean, the big one is like love at first sight, basically, right? It's like right. insta-love, insta-lust, insta-love.
0: And as Meg said, sort of the, the fake identity, except in this case, it's just the no identity.
1: Yeah, they 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 both know that the other one, they're not going by a false identity, but they want to be basically take this night out of their lives, right? Right. I feel so like the, that's kind of a trope, right? Like, this is our night, like, we're just gonna forget our obligations and, like, for this one night, be our essential selves, right? Yes, but
0: I feel like when you see that trope used in literature, mm-hmm. it's often as the excuse to finally fuck. hmm Whereas here, it's at the very beginning, and it is ultimately a relatively chaste evening.
1: I mean, relatively.
0: There is no going up to her room and having sex.
1: Well, no, but there's- My point is,
0: it's set up as like a, yes, they are very into each other, but they actually spend most of this night of anonymity just hanging out, end it with a scorching kiss, and then leave it there. Which I thought was a really fun choice. Mm -hmm, Like this mm -hmm. idea that, I think it really emphasized for both of them. It was about not being themselves for the night burdened by responsibility, not as an excuse to do something they wouldn't do, but just as an excuse to like not be judged. Right. Which I thought was really cool. And you must, you think that means there was an opportunity for sex that was missed. Dear
1: reader, have some faith. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. Have a little faith. This is a governess romance, except mm-hmm. that they're not his kids, right. So she he's not her employer. Uh-huh. But it's still a governess romance, right?
0: Well, right. Because to me, a governess mo- romance is somebody with a tenuous position in society and often ends up caring about her charges if she's going to be the hero of a romance novel.
1: What else have we got? Oh, we've got the forced proximity because mm-hmm. they're both stuck at the Travers' house together. She's the governess and she he's staying for vacation.
0: Right. And they're also the first night snowed in together. So they mm-hmm. both can't leave the inn.
1: Mm-hmm. There is an inn. There's not one room at the inn, though. Which I didn't was... mind that i know like on the one hand you'd think it was disappointing but it was you know this was like their the prologue to their relationship Mm -hmm. you know like it would it wouldn't have been in character for either of them to be like let's just do this one night out of time one room at the inn kind of thing yeah she's a sad tragic orphan
0: like literally grew up in an orphanage and this is the first Christmas where she feels like she's being taken care of, and not just by Gavin, also by how kind and welcoming his sister is.
1: Mm-hmm. And Gavin is a virgin hero.
0: <laughs> you know that's usually just Meg's thing, usually. But uh, tell me more, Lane. You know, Gavin is the type of overly conscientious. But stupid fucking competent. Mm-hmm. I feel like we often see these like overly conscientious, sweet as either people who put up a hard exterior shell or as people who are a little bit unmoored. Mm hmm. Like, you know, you'll hear a mother in a romance novel talk about her stern oldest one who takes the weight of the world on his shoulders and her sensitive middle child and her wild youngest or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I liked, I really liked that he was this conscientious and caring, but also super confident, com- like, confident and driven. hmm And competent. Like, mm-hmm. that he was a really good fucking lawyer who was not struggling for his place in the world on some, like personal level. Right. Yeah. And the book jacket gets at this. He's got sort of a moral conundrum going on where he's being offered his dream job, but he has to do something that he is morally opposed to doing to get it. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't do the thing he is morally opposed to his dream job might be closed to him forever.
1: I love, I mean, everyone knows this, but I just love a conflict where, it's not interpersonal. Mm-hmm. Right? It's this external conflict that obviously affects their relationship because it affects his future and it affects the way she sees him. Yep. But it's not because she thinks he's a bad person or he's treated her meanly or like anything, you know?
0: And once they aren't having their one night of freedom and they know who the other really is, her big dilemma is like her livelihood is dependent on her position. Mm-hmm. So she has to be sure of him than she should have the opportunity to get to be willing to risk that livelihood and her position in this household
1: exactly all right should we talk about this
0: book lane sure i mean it's just going to be me gushing about how it's a perfect book for 20 minutes but let's do it
1: Anyway, it's a really good book. It's really good. (laughs) It starts out so perfectly. Like, I love... I actually love, too, that she's divided it into these two parts, right? Yes. The night where they meet, which is them getting to know each other without any preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. And then they meet each other under their true identities, and they're still the same people. Like, that's, I think, really the meat of it that's so nice to me, is that they're like, oh, he's the same person that I met before. He's not different now that I know who he is. Right. I loved, I really, really loved that, actually. It was great.
0: I also really enjoyed even the scenes where they were, like, trying to deny each other their company and realized, like, how inevitable and impossible that was. hmm There's just a lot of, like you said, non-interpersonal
1: pining. There's so much pining in this book. This book, this book takes over. It's First of all, it's a novella, right? Yes. And it takes place over the course of about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And there is so much fucking pining in this book. It almost feels like a slow burn. And it's a novella and they get together in the span of two weeks, guys. Yes. And
0: trope wise, what finally, like it's a lot of his perfectly pressed humanity finally losing control mm-hmm. it's oh, him yeah. snapping when he thinks she's in danger and trying to force her to take care of herself and like but him trying to treat her like she's precious when no one ever has before and it's just so good
1: but let's be clear that this guy is losing his composure watching her tie gift bows well, and but more specifically the moment that finally breaks him
0: is very like no i'm gonna take care of you in a very like forceful way that was extremely hot. Uh, okay should we go through it chronologically really quickly i mean the problem is i don't want to spoil it but there's not much to spoil you know
1: yeah i mean to be completely honest most of most of the entire book is in this book jacket it's a relatively lengthy book jacket yeah um as it says they meet at this inn so they're both um, you know, on their way to the same place, and mm-hmm. they get stranded in this inn. And they don't know they're, they're
0: on their way to the same place,
1: and because they have both, uh, they both decide that they don't want to disclose their true identities. Like they agree that they're going to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. They they don't find out that they're headed to the same place, right? And they meet because. This is so funny. <laughs> they meet because she goes over to ask him if he would be willing to sell her one of his his pies, his meat pies. Because she shows up a little
0: late and the place is out of fresh food. So they right. tell her, you can buy it off one of our customers who's already got it.
1: Yeah, she looks around. She's like, oh, he's got two meat pies over there. Mm. I'll go ask him. He's like really focused. So he's got his spectacles on. He's really focused on his case briefs. and he doesn't really understand what's going on and he's Mm -hmm. like wait what he's like no no I'm not in the market for for a harlot basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's like excuse me and dumps a tankard of beer on his head and I think this is the moment too like the way he reacts is so wonderful Mm mm-hmm and she's like, oh, like I maybe overreacted. And he did not overreact. And was just really compassionate. Also, I love how he's like, there's nothing wrong with being a harlot. I just don't want to purchase one. Also, you it's lucrative, you know, good business. <laughs> I've done the
0: books for them. Uh, I love Gavin. <laughs> he's so great. I Gavin needs therapy. Yeah, he does. But in a way that makes him really harmless. Right, exactly. Like, he internalizes and carries the stress of so many other people, and to the point that he's like, oh no. Yes, she has just overreacted, but I just impugned her honor. Yeah. So, like, basically, he's got really severe anxiety. Yep. But, like, he's not toxic. Yeah, correct. That's My right. <laughs> you love
1: him, don't you? Yes. You're like, when can I get stranded in with fucking Gavin? (laughs) And? No shame. Yeah. I I hear you. You know? I understand. So,
0: they go their separate ways. They they have this lovely evening together. They share one spicy kiss.
1: Against the wall. Yes. So, I just need to point that out.
0: And, of course, when Gavin pulls the, I can't, I can't disrespect her like this. Oh my God, how have I done this? And panics and runs away without properly saying goodbye. She interprets it as he thinks he's above her. Yep. And not interested when in fact, he's just overwhelmed by his feelings and boner.
1: Yep. I mean, it's really hard to think with a boner. I mean, that's what I understand anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I've heard. (laughs) So... So, next day, he shows up a little bit late at his sister's house. No, she goes to his sister's
0: house. Yeah, he spends a couple of days at a client's, correct. So she yes. has a couple of days to settle in at his sister's house by right. herself. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he shows up like at dinner, too. He just right. like shows up, walks in, and he's like, my dream woman is sitting at the table. And he's just like, what and she's like, I can't do this. She runs away. The whole thing is like amazing. And of course, because Cora and Nate are amazing, they're just like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> oh, so Gavin is interested in the governess,
0: huh? <laughs> I need to just pause to say that what Cora has spent this time these days that Gavin has not been around. Cora has been welcoming her new government governess, but also decking her whole house out for Christmas in a historically anachronistic way. And Lane was like, yes. I was like, so you're, Aaron Langston, acknowledging on the page that people at the time didn't do this, but you've just pinned it up to Cora's eccentricity. Dear listeners, today is November 1st. My living room floor is currently covered in my Christmas decorations because I'm cutting them up. (laughs) Of course they are. I related to Quran such a fundamental level and I respected Aaron Langston for saying, "You know what? Would this era have gotten a candy cane rating of 5 in the week before Christmas? No, all you'd really have to work with historically would be the snow." And Aaron Langston said, "I don't care. <laughs> Give me mistletoe. <laughs> Give me boughs of holly and fir. <laughs> Give me lights and put them on the page." And I said to myself, I respect the fuck out of this.
1: <laughs> of course you did. Oh my God. So then Gavin nearly loses it because, you know, Amelia is tying up some some gift baskets with some ribbon. And yeah. And he's just like, Holy shit, her hands. <laughs> yep. I was dead. I was dead. <laughs> he keeps snapping quills. <laughs> His nephew is like, uh, Uncle Gavin, you're supposed to be playing toy soldiers with me over here. And Gavin's like, mm-hmm. wait, what, huh? Yep. Where am yep. I now? Uh, okay. Eventually, they go on a sleigh ride. To go Christmas shopping together. Correct. Oh, I have to point out for everyone who read and loved Forever Your Rogue, Nate is kind of the one who's like matchmaking here. And so he's like, "Hey, you know, you could take the sleigh to town if you want to for your Christmas shopping."
0: Nate I will and say, Cora spend this book being Christmas guardian angels.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. Christmas guardian angels who are hot for each other, and want everyone else to also have people they're hot for. Yeah, that's like the perfect kind of guardian angel. Yeah, exactly. I will say I was a little worried for for Sweet Gavin and Amelia on the sleigh ride because they get a little like caught up in each other and he doesn't stop the sleigh. I was actually like flipping back to be like, I was like, did, was there a continuity error? Did he, did he forget to stop the sleigh? No. I mean, he did forget to stop the sleigh, but it is brought up. So this is another thing that I was like, thank you, Aaron. So <laughs> I was getting really worried for those two. Yeah. So after their
0: one day spent totally alone together, but knowing who each other are, um, after a series of events, it just becomes impossible to resist one another.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they don't, which I also respect.
0: And it was very hot.
1: Yep, we'll get to it later. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, comes the conflict, which, like as it as Lane said and as the book jacket says, he's got this case, he's got to basically decide whether he wants to defend this reprehensible person, this reprehensible man, or not.
0: And if he defends the reprehensible man, he will get a promotion that is both personally beneficial, but what will enable him to have more power to protect vulnerable people in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's it feels like a very personal case to Amelia as well because the um, the other party in the case was a, a wronged governess. Correct. So basically the question is what what decision is going to make with the case? Uh, will will that decision come between them? What's going on? I loved the way it was handled, Lane. Like, yes, like it was so good. It could have been misunderstanding. There could have been a fight. There could have been like on page conflict, and I just really, really appreciated how it was handled. Completely agree. I loved it. Yep. Okay. So that's the only thing we're not going to spoil, I guess, for you. So you have to read the book to find out what happened. <laughs> yeah. Content warning is It's a Christmas novella.
0: So to be clear, the governess um, in the case is suing for breach of a promise. And so the lived experience of Amelia, but also the experience of this government, make it very clear how powerless these women were and how... Ill-intentioned men could make their lives
1: very difficult, mm-hmm. and I—I I mean, Amelia in the first chapter, as we talked about, as is in the book jacket, she's fired. So, right—that's really it. That's all we could come up with. You know, that was it. That was it. How sexy was this book?
0: I don't expect much explicitness from novellas that are already giving me a lot of sexy pining just because they are short books. There is a good amount of sexy sex on the page, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I was thoroughly enjoying it.
1: (laughs) Yes. I have to say that the word that is used to describe Gavin, our virgin hero feminist barrister, mm-hmm. is diligent. I mean, mm-hmm. he's very, he's very diligent in in work, in life, and also in the bedroom.
0: There is like a little bit of a fake out, Aaron Langston, at the very beginning of the first sex scene, mm-hmm. things are very abrupt. And I was like, I am not here for this again. We've been reading so many sex scenes lately where I feel like it goes right to the main course and skips all the appetizers. Main course. That can't be pleasant in addition to whatever else. And then she reroutes them. Gavin is like, hmm, this doesn't seem pleasant for you. And then they go back to the beginning and it is languorous and sexy and believably erotic. And I was like, Aaron Langston, it's like, you knew what could have me going, and then laughed at me (laughs) for getting upset. And I appreciated it. It was really
1: good. It It was was really good. It was really good.
0: And it was really steamy.
1: Yes, There were times that I was, like, getting nervous. Like I said, like, when he was riding on the sleigh, or driving the sleigh, I should say, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, like, didn't pull it over. Or When there was, it seemed like there was a witness to Mm -hmm. him basically just being dragging her upstairs. (laughs) But I I think that was the thing too. It's like there weren't any plot holes. There weren't any times where I was like, "Mm, "What just happened?" Like, okay, I'll just have to overlook that because I like the book. Otherwise, no. Like, it was just really, it was just perfectly like
0: actions have consequences on the page.
1: It was great. I, and if it's not clear, five out of five candy canes. I think, I honestly feel like this is our first time ever five out of five candy canes. No, I've done it before.
0: <laughs> not often, but I have done it.
1: Especially not for historical. I think this I think might be like
0: two or three times tops.
1: Yeah. I think this might be our first historical five out of five candy canes. It's rare. It's very rare. It's
0: not unique. It's very rare. Um, one, they meet at a Christmas party. Two, they go on sleigh rides. Three, they go Christmas gift shopping together. Four, there's reference to mistletoe. Five, they get too cold out in the snow and have to warm each other up. I mean...
1: Yeah. There are Christmas gifts. There's um, there's significant Christmas gifts as well. Yes. Like significant to the relationship. Yep. And there's also... It's not technically a candy cane. It's a peppermint stick, but... And she,
0: she does things to it that ruin him. I just... Really enjoyed the way little traditional Christmas things were just interwoven through almost every chapter. Mm -hmm. It never let you forget the setting.
1: Right. In the best way.
0: In the best way. And that is what I want from a Christmas novella is I want to be constantly reminded it's Christmas, but not in a way that beats me over the head with the saccharine.
1: Correct. Anyway, it was great. Really good. Recommend that you read it. Get it, you know, if you are like, huh, what should I be reading for a nice, sexy, fun Christmas novella? Mm -hmm. Some Winter's Evening. I would say this book, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was great. We loved it. Absolutely loved it. Erin Langston,
0: if you want to start um, a side hustle as an author of exclusively Christmas stuff, know that I will sign up and buy (laughs) everything. (laughs)
1: lane's buying it all just buying it all lane's buying everything thank you guys so much for listening